Chapter Four of A Christmas Honeymoon by Francis Amar Matthews. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. When the violin man came, she heard it, also heard inquiring tones and Shadow's subdued replies, quick plunging footsteps up the stairs, down again, out the back door, into the garden, up the broad central path. Betty fled from her seat in the arbor and darted back into the house, ran up the stairs, and stood dimpling, mirthful on the landing while Peter searched. Sure, observed Miss Supple to her inamorado, they're like two childer. Ah, yes, but they're grown up for all that, was the butler's sage rejoinder. Betty stood there full five minutes. She was sure she had heard Peter come into the house sure she had heard his voice and shadows to be sure she had but not to discern the words mr van zant had asked saddle where a certain thing was a thing the serving-man had noted that his master had not touched in months now he had it fetched peter had taken it biddy had seen her young master unfastening the case drawing forth the contents then she had beckoned the butler away to his pantry, and there the two faithful souls stood together while breathless and poignant, watching, waiting, for they didn't precisely know what. Their mistress, too, stood, now on the threshold of her own room, the door ajar, her lips parted, her ear bent. Where, then, was Peter? If he could tarry, she was assuredly in no haste, she withdrew, pushed the door closer, flung herself into a chair, dallied with a powder puff, a hand glass laughing at her own most radiant face. As she laughed in sheer joy over the beauty of herself and of Peter's possession of that beauty, and over the lesson she would teach Peter as to his patience, all, all to end in his kisses on her mouth, Betty heard a sound, a wail, a mellowed but piercing scrape she put her hands up to her ears then took them down it was a violin a violin played by an unadept hand it must be peter's friend the violin man of willard's fetched home by peter for dinner and peter had said let us be all alone this evening dear little girl please and betty had said yes it was certainly horrid of peter to fetch home a guest and above all that violin man on this particular evening and beyond everything it certainly was ungenerous of peter to announce the violin man or to let himself announce in this remarkably informal fashion doubtless the violin man was a genius geniuses were unpleasant folk peter would surely be coming up soon to tell her or at least if the violin friend was so determinately intimate, Shadow would be sent with his card or his name. Mrs. Van Zant sat down again, but all the while the violin was wailing, calling, searching with its strange, weird, pussycat voice resounding up and down and all over the big double house, quite as if it were at its accustomed haunt and Betty's roses grew a deeper red, her lips quivered, her eyes flashed with the nearby tears. Did Peter then think that his wife would come down at the call of this violin man? Did Peter wish his wife to answer such a weird and jesting announcement? 
He could not. The violin man must be an uncontrollable bore. She should sit still right there in her own room until Peter came or sent. Below, in the butler's pantry, Shadow sat on the shelf dangling his heels, listening. Miss Supple, at the crack in respectful attendance at call of either master or mistress, both speechless but quite uncomprehending. No one summoned them. Betty above heard the shriek, the long-attended moan of the strings coming to her. There seemed a sort of witchery in the excruciating inartisticness of the quivering tones. She got up, came to the door, opened it. Certainly the violin man must be at the foot of the stairs, even up at the first landing. She drew back. Then Peter spoke. Betty! But this did not obtain reply. Mistress Betty was of no mind to be summoned thus informally, while the violin man went patiently on with his bow. Darling! came to Betty's astonished ears. Then, sweetheart! reached her outraged hearing. Then Peter laughed, his mirth seeming to chime in queerly with a wild distant strain from the violin. It smote her brain and heart, and made them ache. It even made the discreet butler and serving woman in the pantry glance at each other in a strange, bewildered fashion. "'Betty!' came up to her again. She tiptoed out of her room to the railing. She looked down the square well of the staircase and saw her husband standing alone in the hall, holding a violin under his chin, drawing the bow with that peculiar caressing emphasis which is more especially the manifestation of the person who wants to play the violin and can't. Her big eyes dilated, her slim figure quivered, her lips and cheeks were as white as her teeth. With her two little hands, she gripped the railing and looked over, down at her husband below. Van Zant glanced up eager, expecting, waiting for her. Peter? she ejaculated in a curious, hushed voice. Yes, love girl, it's I. He played on. I see you. Then he looked up at her face again, seeing the bloom of it no longer there. But he played on, little strangling attempts, wheedling the strings into what he perhaps fancied was a melody. "'Come down,' he said buoyantly. Betty came down obediently, her hand upon the rail for steadying, perhaps. Then, not relinquishing his violin, he put out his arm to enclose her with it. Betty held aloof, unresponsive. "'Were you the violin man of Willard's yourself?' she asked in a thin, small voice, brittle as Dresden china, with a little break of heart in every syllable it muttered. "'Yes,' Peter laughed again, full of youth, masculinity, possession, and radiating his lack of knowledge of womankind as brilliantly as man ever did. "'You are jesting, Peter!' Her sweet eyes quickly sought the guest, hither yawn, in the shadows of the long hallway, her sweet breath fluttering with ecstasy at the thought that her husband was but masquerading, that the real violin man was of course hiding and would come forth to be presented. He did not. 
there was merely peter who played on in a fantastic fashion meant to be alluring coaxing conclusive expletive of the dominant sex coming into all its own not jesting the little wife said with a falling inflection the husband shook his head it was absolutely you those days in washington yes and you never told me the truth no why not slowly and painfully the words were spoken because he cried out gleefully because with your adorable perversity i might have lost you if i had but the truth she exclaimed with the reverential reproach of a child it went by the board i'm afraid he laid the violin in the niche in the wall come little lady i've not had my kiss he put out his arms betty hung back don't you remember i said i'd have to send you flying if you'd been a musical man yes of course i do and for that reason i never touched my violin from that hour to this you are safely mine now dear and you won't be so foolish as not to want me to amuse myself with my bow a while every day mrs van zant did not answer shadow coughed discreetly just then as he emerged from the dining-room to announce that dinner was served it was a curious meal the mistress polite even amiable with a sad submission in her speech and manner the young husband over gay yet triumphant he had ideas of being lord and master in his own house his own pursuits his own ways adoring her none the less but filled with the pious and perfect theory of a man's superior wisdom and the duty of husbands to see that they were not too easy in even the sweetest of traces and betty it all looked like a wreck to her the silver the crystal the tall old brass candlesticks the big logs on the hearth the family portraits the brilliant posy of a centerpiece her own fur belows the clink of the wine-glasses the soft tread of chattel and supple to her all these were nothing else than a devastation but the wreck of wrecks was the overthrow of her own supremacy that in which he had most minutely taught her to implicitly believe swept to bits by this violin so it is first we play at love then a little later maybe we learn to play with love later on perhaps love plays with us and by and by if we are not too spent when the most beautiful thing in the world comes our way that second glorious conscious conquering youth of power we become one with love and it is very well with us what does this masculine one-and-twenty know of the magnificent pulsations of twice his years what does fair feminine seventeen know of the later harvest of splendid fruition that comes to the woman seventeen more years her senior little indeed so quite seemingly submissive full of daintiness and courtesy on the wife's part quite charming gentle a bit nettled but self-satisfied in his position and glad all was over with and discovered on the husband's the dinner was eaten shadow in the recesses of his pantry tapped miss supple on the shoulder jerked his thumb toward the dining-room 
his usually immovable countenance all an interrogation point bridget supple nodding sagely said in her emphasis a note of wholesome warning that's married life mr shadow end of chapter four